Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. This is our recommend or refute episode where we're going to go around and talk about something that we each watched separately this week and whether or not we would recommend it. Um, we do have some hot Barbenheimer takes for everybody, but first we're going to kick it to John uh, to discuss something something weird that, that John watched this week. Um, I should probably introduce my, my co-host here. I am Michael Dixon. With me, John Garcia. What, what's up, John? Hey, yo, I'm ready to bring... It's not really weird. I want to bring something cool to the table, but I'm going to mention something weird, too, obviously. I assume Contractually you would. Can't help. Yeah. Can't help. Yeah. <laughs> and Ryan King. Uh, yeah, I'm, like, so excited to talk about Barbie. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> Before we went, before we even started here, I can't, I can't shut up about it. I see you started up, your Ryan. collection on the, the back shelf there. You're building. Yeah, I gotta collect all my body. all the rare weird ones. <laughs> all right. Well, before we jump into the Barbenheimer discussion, uh, we're gonna kick it over to John. Uh, what did you watch this week, John? I heard you watched some interesting material this week. Well, so I said at the end of like last, uh, the the last episode, I kind of made this pact with myself that I would watch good movies for a week. Yeah, that's not going to last very um, long. And I watched a lot of good movies. You know, I watched Raging Bull with you and uh, yep. I was I was checking out, you know. But you're not talking uh, about that. I'm not talking about that. I wouldn't, <laughs> you know, watch John Wick 4. I'm not talking about that and none of that stuff. Um, and then I watched one weird movie and it was kind of just because I, I have to write a piece for Hyperreal and I wanted to know what I was doing. So I watched uh, uh, Deadly Weapons, which was a, it's a 1974 movie about a woman with giant breasts that smothers men to death as a revenge for her husband's murder. Oh my. Um, but I'm not talking about that one. Uh, Are honestly, you sure? Are you sure you're not going to yeah. talk about that I'm one? I'm pretty sure. The details on exactly I want to talk about works. The Last Starfighter <laughs> is obviously the one that I want to talk about, um, but you're really fucking pushing me here. You do you kid if you kids I don't stop hear, it now, I am going to turn this car around and head for Deadly Weapons. I want to hear about <laughs> those Deadly Weapons. All right, well, fine. Um, Last Starfighter would have been recommend anyway. Uh, let's talk about deadly weapons. Let's talk about massive breasts that kill <laughs> small men. <laughs> um, Continue. So <laughs> deadly yeah. Weapons is a 1974 uh, genre film directed by Doris Wishman. Doris Wishman is the queen of uh, sleaze and indie sleaze uh, okay. through the 70s until like the, I believe the 80s. Um, I at some point acquired her like entire collection, her entire filmography on Blu-ray. Somehow. Uh, somehow. (laughs) How many movies is this? (laughs) Uh, So there are three Blu-rays and I think each of them contain like eight or nine movies. Holy shit. Something like that. Must be compressed as fuck. (laughs) They are uh, rendered in glorious 1080p scans. (laughs) Uh, And they have commentary tracks from scholars. I assume they're scholars. Um, (laughs) Just uh, (laughs) creeps who like boobs. (laughs) Uh, so Deadly Weapons is a Doris Wishman film, which means it's got a lot of sex in it. It's got a lot of, uh, at least like sexually, uh, exploitative things, sexploitative, if you will. Uh, and in, in this movie, uh, the lead, uh, actor, lead character, uh, lead character's name is Crystal and she's played by Chesty Morgan. I'm sorry. Uh, Chesty, uh, Morgan. Okay. Her stage <laughs> name, uh, okay. real name. I'm not sure <laughs> her legal name. Uh, I was texting Dixon the entire time I watched this movie. I was sending pics to prove what I was seeing, uh, and that it was real. Uh, there's even like comedic elements added to the movie that just verify the filmmakers know exactly what they're doing with this. Um, Doris wishing knew what she was doing. Like one scene, uh, Chesty Morgan after her husband is murdered by the mob. Uh, decides that she's, this is the whole synopsis, she's going to get revenge by smothering those, the mobsters. 
Um, All right. And she uh, goes to get a job. Yeah, she gets her deadly weapons together, Uh uh, which all of her wardrobe for this entire movie, she wears, she can't wear a bra. There's got to be like no bra that's provided for her. A A woman of her bust size, sadly, was not accommodated. And all of her dresses just flow open. Like they fall open <laughs> at the waist. Uh, and it's just kind of like, so she basically is topless the entire movie and just having normal dialogue with people in normal scenes with her gigantic breasts out. Um, and the movie treats it like it's 100% regular and everybody's cool with it, which I think is progressive and nice of them. Good job. Doris Wishman. Kick yeah, ass. absolutely. Um, so anyways, this comedic aspect of it, Chesty Morgan goes to uh, a strip club owner because her logic is if I go to a strip club and get a job here because uh, bigger breasts mean definitely big job at this this place, uh, then I can scope out these mobsters and figure out how I'm going to kill them. And uh, the guy that she goes to is like, we're full up. We don't have any room for anybody. So go away. And She's like, maybe you have room for me. And she like opens her blouse and <laughs> immediately it goes boing and like the guy's eyes just dart back and forth and go, and then he just goes, you're hired. And that's the whole scene. Uh, and so this movie just consists of moments like that. And then moments I can only describe as the tension of Jaws. Um, in Chesty's approach to killing a man. You see like the shadow yes. of a boob yes. into the screen. That's exactly what it is. Oh There's like God. boob cam where the boobs are like hunting men and just drowning them uh, and suffocating them to death. Um, and obviously the entire revenge film plays out without much consequence, except at the end, Chesty Morgan is unfortunately shot. Person who shoots her is her father. Oh my I God. Don't, he just doesn't approve of what she's been doing. Which doesn't make any sense to me, but when it was over, you know, I was, I wasn't mad that I'd seen it. I just knew I wasn't going to recommend it to anybody else. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I guess I'm a different man now. I don't know. It was a different kind of sleaze. I'm not used to seeing. Uh, So, so all these mobsters are just powerless against her massive boobs. She just walks up to them and just like hugs them and they die. They are hypnotized or she drugs them or she gets them drunk. It's, it's any one of those mm-hmm. things at any given time. And then they are lulled into a, a state of uh, false security. And when they least expect it, tits, <laughs> 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 that's, that's exactly what happens every time. She just hugs them and they don't breathe. And then yeah. They... Yeah. You watch it wow. from like different angles and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's, a, it's like a man who's got his arms and he's clawing at her oh and God. like can't do anything. <laughs> it's, it's uh, it's fucking wild. And I, it's this genre that I'm not as familiar with that I want to call empowerment sleaze. Okay. Uh, yeah. Where I feel like yeah. Chesty Morgan as an actor, as a, as a person, um, is respected in this movie as exploitative as it is. Uh, Chesty absolutely knows what she's in the movie for and she plays her role well. And I think Doris Wishman gives her a lot of fun and it, it's so different from, you know, you see another exploitation. Well, maybe you don't know, but you see a sexploitation film that's directed by a man and women get their clothes like ripped in the middle of a rape scene. And they get like just completely thrown around by, uh, by any men on set in like a fantasy realm or some shit like that. And it's, it feels dirtier. It's scuzzy. Like we watched death wish too. And it was like, Ugh, mm-hmm. come on, like, don't fucking do this scene for that long. I feel like in this instance, it was like, well, you're going to be nude and that's what people want to see. 
but we're also going to give you the chance to kill a bunch of fucking guys with your big tits. And uh, I can respect that. I think that's rad. That's a rad way to approach doing a sexploitation film. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, it, it opened my eyes um, and uh, I learned and I grew. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, John. <laughs> yeah. um, the tagline of this movie is seeing is believing. And the poster just has a picture of Chesty Morgan with like her tits blurred out. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it, it, and they look quite impressive. Um, <laughs> did you believe when you saw them? Did, I, did I you, did believe. Were you a convert? I was, I was 100% converted. I don't know what, how she was so blessed and cursed at the same time, but it, it definitely was a religious experience. It looks experience. painful. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually texted my friend. Um, one of my friends, she's, she's also uh, cursed with well endowment. <laughs> and uh, I texted her at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> Um, <laughs> how did she uh, appreciate this? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I said, I started it off reasonably by saying, this is going to sound fucked, but I'm watching a movie from the seventies in which a woman with G sized bus smothers men to avenge her husband's murder. It reminded me of you because she's a fucking boss bitch who suffers from endowment and doesn't take shit from anyone. And she said back, LMAO, what a message to receive. <laughs> but she also was like, I guess I'm glad I'm remembered in such a good light. <laughs> so yeah, I was, um, I was she's like, never wow. going to talk to you again. This movie, this movie connected <laughs> on a personal level for me. <laughs> How yeah. many, uh, sex murder movies <laughs> where sex is the murder <laughs> weapon. Do you have John? Uh, at good least question. two. That's because you picked the one that we watched that had sex being a murder. Don't put this on me. It wasn't was my like choice. You, oh, you had it though. Yeah, it, <laughs> not like I was like, "Hey, John, don't you go try to it. rebound that?" Yeah. Just because I have it does not mean. Look, man, I own a gun, but I'm not gonna. No, I don't actually own a gun. But <laughs> <laughs> you, you built the bomb. I dropped it. I yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the appropriate way with Oppenheimer being in this mix. <laughs> Uh, yeah, two, two so far. I'm sure Doris Wishman is going to give me several more. Yeah. There's uh, some more I you just haven't watched. You don't know. I didn't even start. <laughs> what is it? Agent 73, 0073 or something, which is also a Chesty Morgan. Nice. <laughs> espionage film. Because of her 73 inch bust. That is exactly what it is. I was, uh, I was looking up her real name to find out that she married Dick Stello. Of course actual, she did. Actual name. That is his actual born name. Richard Stello. Dick Stello. Dick Stello is what he went by. Amazing. Oh my god. Uh, so you're not recommending this, John? Uh, I mean, what do you want from me? I don't. I'm just clarifying. <laughs> this is what we do here and recommend or there's, refute. There's never going to be a world in which I feel comfortable recommending this to anybody, but I will talk about it openly. I mean, it's fine. But yeah, like the plot itself is already serviceable. If you want to see gigantic. Knockers. You sound like you're talking yourself into recommending this. If you want to see gigantic knockers, then you're gonna you're good to go with this. If you want to see mm-hmm. an, a, empowering sleaze and be comfortable that it was ethically shot and it's not as creepy as a death wish kind of rape scene, recommend a refute, John. I refute it. I refute it, my friend. Okay, That's what I'm saying the court has spoken. Uh, Ryan, well, what did you watch she's this still, week? <laughs> she's still alive. She lives in Tampa Bay, John. We could like interview that seems her fitting. and try to bring it back around. <laughs> bring her respect yeah it needs to be a revival Chesty yes. morgan revival <laughs> no so i have been watching good movies contrary to john's uh bet with himself i actually have had several weeks of just watching good movies 
Uh, even I the also kids don't believe you. I've watched have accidentally been good. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I went to I, I Barbieheimered. I made it a Barbieheimer sandwich though because I put they clone Tyrone in the middle of it. I watched Barbie in the morning, and then Oppenheimer at the end of the day. We're in a race against the Nazis, and I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. Have a 12 month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. A secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. So yeah, let's talk about Oppenheimer. We'll talk about Barbieheimer as a, as a whole. We'll talk about Barbie, but I'll just start off with Oppenheimer, um, which I did not see in 70 millimeter IMAX. I was going to. I know you guys were going to try to do. We tried, but there's yeah. like, there. It's just not available. Like I respect Nolan's craft and what he wants to do, but to be unable to see it in his vision. And and not to mention that like once it's gone, like that's it. Like mm-hmm. who owns a seventy millimeter IMAX in their house to show off this movie? And it's like yeah, everyone is going to watch it in a shittier format. Chris once Nolan. It's out of the theater. I highly doubt. <laughs> yeah, just Nolan. That ten years from now they're going to be like, it's the Oppenheimer anniversary screening. Come see the Oppenheimer movie in seventy millimeter. Right. <laughs> if it blew away more records, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Might. Like Avatar. Yeah. There's uh, something some... like two thousand one will occasionally show on seventy millimeter, but not. 70 millimeter IMAX. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, And I didn't watch it in IMAX either. Um, Essentially, I didn't think I was going to watch Oppenheimer. Like it, you know, it was on my list. Nolan's kind of been more missed than hit these last few. Yeah. Tenet is a goddamn dumpster fire. Still haven't seen it. And I can't watch it now because it's off streaming. So I've been Uh, saved. You're lucky. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But whatever this Barbieheimer concept is uh we went and saw barbie and darla was like amazed at how many people were like wearing barbieheimer shirts and talking about it and all that stuff and she was like well do you want to go watch oppenheimer oh well if we can like i'll go watch oppenheimer i just figured it was something you want to watch she's like yeah we'll go we'll go uh so i tried to find a 70 millimeter there there are two in los angeles one of which is the chinese theater and their website fucking blows and didn't appear to work. And the other is in Universal City Walk, and I can only get like front row or second row. And I just, yeah, I, even in, any, even with playing IMAX, whatever, like you can't see shit. They they put too many they took too many seats in just regular ass theaters. And, and no one sits up in the front row, uh, unless you're at a good theater that actually the front row is a good spot. But for the most part, you know your AMC's or whatever. No, you're not yeah. sitting up there. All right, get to um, the Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to when, Oppenheimer. When I went to when I went to see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning in IMAX at Bullock, I had to sit in the second row and it was actually fine. Like, so there are some IMAX built, theaters that right. yeah. will do it correctly. And it's like, you know, you, it may be a little bit closer than you want to be, but like five minutes into the movie, you forget and you stop noticing. How dare you yeah. undercut Ryan's point? <laughs> no, I, I will say, yeah, I saw the live action Lion King in IMAX way too fucking close and it was awful. On top well, that of movie's that. just awful anyway, but... <laughs> yeah, I was so close, I couldn't even see, but, like, one corner, I had to, like... My God, Pumbaa's leg. Couldn't really take in, the, like, the whole of it. Um, but anyway, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer, <laughs> stick yes. to it. Um, 
I, it's an interesting take. It is really just about Oppenheimer and Strauss, who was a head of this nuclear energy commission. And uh, it also talks about his attempt to be confirmed to as a secretary in Eisenhower's cabinet. And that's kind of the two storylines that we're following. I don't know anything about Strauss. I only knew Oppenheimer and the Manhattan Project. As much as the trailers might make it seem like, oh, this is the Manhattan Project and build, building a bomb, like, yeah, that's part of it. Um, yeah. But it really, this really is much more of kind of like Oppenheimer's from, you know, his college years to, you know, past Manhattan Project to up to kind of the time of this Strauss confirmation hearing. Um, and then kind of the controversies around him, his past, um, his leftist positions, his in the Communist Party friends, and how that after the war, you know, the the Red Scare kind of further came back and was an issue that he yeah. was kind of hounded for, among many others, even worse than him. But also the conflict of like, what did what did he do? What did we do to build it? And it really just focuses on the building of the bomb and the testing and the. War is in the background, which I thought was a good, interesting choice to focus this as a character piece. Um, it's it would be really awesome in seventy millimeter IMAX. I think it would be really great in a place that has good audio. Mine was pretty good, but it's a regular ass theater, and there's there can absolutely be those differences. But the Zimmer score on this is awesome. It doesn't use any drums, which is interesting. Oh. Yeah, there's no drums, but it definitely is like an ominous like on top of you kind of all all the time the music is used really well to just like build fucking tension and uncomfortableness um because it's you know it's when it like you're coming into this it's like titanic you know the ship's gonna sink you're kind of coming in knowing what generally is going on and so seeing kind of the the characters gripping with it and having this music just really builds the tension of it especially up to the test explosion which is all practical effect and is really awesome. And uh, I will say, Darla pointed out afterwards, really interesting choice that the music fucking swells like crazy. And then they do the test explosion. They actually go to complete silence. And so having all of this heavy-handed Zimmer uh, soundtrack all the way through to then absolute silence, it, it makes a really powerful switch. Mm. Uh, and... Theater was actually quiet. I don't know that everyone will have this experience, um, but Darla pointed out, and she was like, "Wow, that was really weird that it actually got silent and people actually like stayed silent. Like everyone kind of had their breath held in awe of what was going on." Um, yeah. There's like a no sound silent part in the Barbie movie, and people were kind of like eh, chatting in the background or whatever. We went and saw uh, an opera <laughs> in uh, downtown L.A. And like during like the most dramatic like silent part, some guys just like, yeah. and then once one person the does it, like four or five are like, oh good, I can cough now. Like the, the window's been like, broken. Mm -hmm. Get your coughs done. <laughs> but yeah, amazing to experience that. Killian Murphy, fucking amazing. I've always really liked him. Uh, this mm -hmm. is definitely a great role for him. Glad that he uh, got, he didn't get the casting in the original uh, Batman Begins or whatever is like Batman. I think he auditioned to be Batman. And then Nolan oh, was like, I weird. liked him as 
He's yeah, that would have been yeah. odd. He's Nolan was like, so oh, I, I like something about this guy. I think he'd be good mm. for the scarecrow. And then yeah. he's like, I just like this guy. I want to put this guy in more of my movies. <laughs> yeah, yep. He's awesome. And he plays that like weighing the choices, weighing the decisions. Oppenheimer, the way that this movie presents him, he never really gives opinions mm. or, or stances on things. He really is so focused on the facts and presenting he you know presenting both sides like as just truths and yeah. sort of that in the view of this movie like that costs him because he doesn't really play the game he constantly kind of just wavers in both of these like just facts and never really picking sides so to speak um until kind of to the end when suddenly he was very like about nuclear disarmament um robert downey jr is pretty awesome enough that I think some people take a minute to be like, Whoa, oh, wait, like, oh, that's Robert Downey Jr. Like, I can hear it now, but he, he kind of is pretty good in his role. He can't stop being the way he talks. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Brian, <laughs> he, I was just going to correct you. They wouldn't say that's Robert Downey Jr. Somebody would lean over and go, that's Iron Man. <laughs> and, yeah, right. Probably. Yes, that's Iron Man. Um, and, the, and, you know, like those, those are like kind of the two most premier characters in this um but the acting cast like all around is really awesome um also stand out like emily blunt i thought was really pretty awesome she has a few you know she's kind of in and out of the story as oppenheimer's wife but there's definitely a part where during his trial not a trial um she has to kind of take the take the stand and get questioned or whatever i thought that was really awesome like it was a really powerful bit from her um and so yeah i think she was also pretty standout it is three fucking hours or whatever. Some of these movies that go so long, there definitely is the point where I kind of hit with this movie where I was like, okay, this is the point where if this is a mini series, we just stopped and yeah. I would have gotten a break and I would have come back later and watched and been like, oh, that's the last episode. We wrap up all these things. It, my mind went to like Chernobyl. This is not was, as yeah, heavy as Chernobyl. That thing's fucking okay. heavy. But I, I was telling Darla, I was like, if you sat down and watched three episodes of Chernobyl back to back to back, you, you'd be exhausted. Yeah. It, and it's good. It, Chernobyl's fucking some of the best television I've ever seen. Yep. Uh, but I would not watch 100%. three episodes in a row. I probably wouldn't watch two episodes in a row. It's so much. It's just That's so much. That's an interesting much. comparison to let me know how dark Oppenheimer might be is to compare it to Chernobyl. <laughs> it's not that. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not <laughs> but it makes that. You, okay. But it makes you feel. I mean, you, you do it does weigh with the the weight of the decisions they're making the you know the race the inevitability of the world changing like a lot of it is focused on that of like mm -hmm. how the world is going to change into this nuclear age and what does that mean um there is you know a few mentions of this uh we're not sure but theoretically it could just blow the whole world up it could just chain reaction and never stop yeah yeah. So there is that, like, they're not even, you know, 100% certain, but pretty, pretty, pretty certain that, like, it won't blow up the whole world, but it could. Um, <laughs> that, that is also in the background a bit. I guess we know that doesn't happen, but interesting for the, to think of it as the characters that are there. So I, it's good. It's a really, really good movie. I'm sort of fascinated in how Nolan is able to get people to go to theaters, um, even still, and kind of like, why other people are going to see Oppenheimer. And I, I think it's this all ships rise kind of deal with Barbie right now that everybody's like into mm -hmm. this Barbieheimer concept. 
which is great because this isn't actually like really, really is an excellent movie. Um, but I don't think it would have made as much if it wasn't in this. Yeah. This same come cultural out. zeitgeist. And yeah, I think that like Barbenheimer is a phenomenon of restoring theaters. It's so weird, but it is that kind of like either you're going to go see Oppenheimer because you're ironically going to see it for Barbenheimer or you're going to see it because you were going to see it to begin with. And the same for Barbie. And it's an experience. And it's like yeah. both just win-win and they're both tonal whiplash. I'm sure they are. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's, there's no way. Um, but yeah, like that's kind of amazing. Um, yeah. Cause I go to the theater by me like all the time and I've, only ever had like three or four people in the theater with me even seeing like run-of-the-mill crap other than like super mario uh and spider-verse which still it wasn't packed there weren't people sitting next to me like there were you know a lot of those little spots where there were two seats or one fucking seat where nobody went to but barbie and oppenheimer were packed completely packed at my theater and I, just the fact I was like, there's no way Oppenheimer would ever have been packed at this theater other than yeah. this. <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty crazy how like, you know, this last weekend box office U.S. was $299 million. And that is the highest box office weekend in four years since Avengers yeah. Endgame came out in <laughs> April of 2019. Like, that's pretty wild to see. And I think there are probably some different things you can take away from that. Like, you have two interesting original stories uh by like good filmmakers coming out um i think that's probably not what's driving the box office um but you know there may be some aspect of franchise fatigue or things that are are driving people to these movies rather than like mission impossible or, or whatever or indiana jones um mission impossible and indiana jones are both terrible though so like it's hard yeah. to, to judge like what's going on there mm-hmm. um but i think the the marketing campaign and the social media frenzy around it was pretty brilliant to like pit these movies against each other. And you would think normally, like when I first heard that these are coming out on the same weekend, I was like, well, that's stupid. Like they should clearly stagger those. What are they doing? And it definitely worked. And like, I I wonder if the studios did this on purpose and like manufactured this, you know, this, this online fervor about these movies. And it's an interesting marketing strategy if that's what they did and, you know, could, play to their benefit to do similar things like that well, down the line yeah um, obviously if they do that too much that might get um you know it may wear off its effectiveness but um i thought that was definitely yeah. an interesting strategy where clearly both movies really benefited from them slinging shit at each other i, I right that's my fear is that they're gonna latch in and kill it immediately because I, yeah. I know how fucking hollywood works we all know how hollywood works it's like oh we found the cash cow let's like milk it until it's just blood fucking coming out of it uh-huh. also we learned and, all the wrong lessons yeah we've learned all the yep. wrong lessons all the time <laughs> got it um and that's exactly what's going to happen next is what they're going to try to pair uh i know there's a garfield movie in 2024 oh, what Jesus. the fuck are they going to try to pair garfield bill with? murray in it i don't think so <laughs> um I, I think bill murray is he only did that first Garfield because he thought it was a Coen Brothers movie. His contract is out and he's out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's fucking done. But uh, yeah, they're going to pair something with Garfield and then they're going to make it like whatever uh, Garfenheimer or some shit. Yeah. The, the equivalent. Uh, and everybody Garfen will Fermi, go see it because they the like Fermi. to be. 
a paradox movie. <laughs> like another scientist. <laughs> It'll be uh, like her. what Garfatar when like Avatar three comes out. And oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, James, James Cameron will not share the spotlight. Yeah, he would never yeah, no. And I, that would be, I wouldn't want to be around that movie with any oh, movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, I kind of crunched yeah. some numbers cause I was kind of interested in like, what's the pattern this summer? Because there were a lot of bombs, honestly, in my like math and I know budgets, you know, aren't, aren't actually given but there's ballpark of what the budget probably is i kind of put them into this like under 100 million 100 million 250 and the like over 300s which is fucking stupid to spend on a movie (laughs) and then then kind of looked at it i'm like walt disney is all busts honestly from like what they would expect Uh, like uh, guardians of the galaxy and little mermaid made money and are up there but i don't think that was what they wanted to make from those and what the budget you know against what the budget is mm-hmm. especially something like little mermaid underperforms internationally as well and kind of looking at them like they probably walked away with a, a billion dollars in profit off of the movies that they released i'm including like budgeting for yeah toys not, and all that shit and oh that you're, at, you're estimating toy revenue in that as yeah well. i'm saying like well i'm not saying the revenue for those i'm saying the cost for those i'm like how much should i cost yeah. how much should i get back from the movie i'm uh-huh. there's other you know supplemental materials i think elemental is a loss across the board probably all those toys are getting thrown out no yep. pajama sets for kids that all just got burned that's buried out there in the in the desert um <laughs> but it it could and should probably have been almost a 2.4 billion dollar year for them on profits if these movies perform the way their movies have in the past so someone is getting fired right because there's that expectation (laughs) of what it should be and and looking at like the big standout of like absolute terrible you mentioned it is fucking indiana jones is a 300 million dollar budget and it, it did not make that back much less if you include that there's probably twice that much they spent on uh, carting poor Harrison Ford around, making him talk in different interviews all over the world. Yeah. Um, that, that, that it's like you could have made, like I glanced down here, Mithrigan, you could have made 30 of those <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. still had money left over and have had a higher profit if they all perform similarly. And yeah. I think the lesson is like that traditional trying to get Elemental and Indiana Jones or whatever off the ground didn't fucking work, but Mithrigan turned a really great profit. Uh, here we're looking at Barbieheimer. It's social media really helped it. The Super Mario Brothers, honestly, like they had the music. They went ahead and put out the Jack Black song ahead of time, and people were redoing it and doing it on TikTok, right? I think I don't think that's the reason that movie was successful, but it helped, right, mm-hmm. in the marketing part. And so I kind of think that's should be the lesson is like just embrace that that's part of your marketing now and figure out how to ride the wave. Don't create it. You never can create it. But when mm-hmm. it happens, like lean into Barbieheimer, right? Don't yeah. try to like get, just be like, okay, something's happening. Put your chips in that. Like, let's go. And also, like you know, bef- before the last, you know, I mean, really post Jaws, but really mu- in the last like twenty years, studios have just gotten to the point where they make fewer and fewer movies every year, and they put more right. of their budget into fewer movies, and they're just making big bet after big bet and if one movie goes wrong then they're fucked like paramount almost went out of business last year until top gun maverick like 
busted out every box office projection. <laughs> well, like they, like there are like I have fucking, bad news for them this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but there are only like fucking three or four studios anymore, right? And like you know, if they all keep making these aggressive bets on big movies, like eventually they're going to be three and then two and then what? You know, it's just it's going to yeah. keep getting smaller, and then the U.S. government's going to have to prop up, uh, you know, Something. some bullshit yeah. studio to keep it from being like too obviously monopolistic um but yeah it's like you know maybe we could go back to the system of the you know like 60s where each studios made lots of movies and they were trying to cater to different audiences they put less money into each one and some of them did really great and some of them didn't do as well but like you know we don't need to have every movie cost 200 million dollars to make and and be you know just trying to capitalize on existing ip like you can actually make new interesting stories and have people go see them <laughs> i don't, I don't want well, to um... i mean barbie is like i'm interested in how much money barbie will end up making like it is an a ip lot. yeah it is an ip but it's gonna make a lot of movies like the fact that it's already number 11 and only behind by six hundred thousand behind transformers which is a bomb but in one weekend it made all the mm. transformers yeah like Good. that's well, yeah, it's movie, good. Barbie. It's, you know, it's, well, sadly, at, at the other thing at the other end of that is Oppenheimer almost made as much money as Dungeons and Dragons did in its entire mm -hmm. run in one weekend. But yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when you're down in the in the you know in that range or whatever. That that you know that was a bomb. Sorry, sadly, Paramount. Yeah, apologize. You I did tried, it, didn't you? You yeah. fucking Dragons. did it just now. <laughs> All right, let the confetti fall. He did it, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I had this thought, um, with the like streaming wars going on. Do you think that like, uh, uh, the, and this, this, um, uh, whole SAG AFTRA strike and the writer's mm -hmm. guild strike and everything, I think that there's like, you were just talking to Jason about, uh, there being like four studios and then three, two, and one. Um, because of all these big bets, have we as an audience, uh, us included, been conditioned into expectations of like higher quality cinema because of budgets recently? Or do you feel like it's not something because like when we talk no. about Netflix shows and stuff where they dump like the same amount of millions at something and you're mm. like, this looks fucking cheap or this looks like really shoddily done in some way. Is it just because the streaming service doesn't have good production quality or is it because a certain budgeted range is something that like we, I mean, a 24 is out there proving us proving me wrong right now. Yeah. But like in terms of like the bigger studios, they just don't take those gambles. They don't re release enough of, they could like split all of the quality of one big film. That's already been tried and tired into like several other lower budget, but high quality films. Right. Um, but I, I think a lot of the problem is the corporatization of filmmaking, right? Where yeah. instead of like, you can make a really fucking good movie at a reasonable amount of money. But like when you have Indiana Jones and the fucking shithead McGee, whatever the it's called, like dick of raw. Yeah. <laughs> then like, and it's like, oh, it's a franchise. We have to protect it and make it like, so it doesn't offend anybody. And you have like the script is written by 12 people and you have, 36 producers on the movie and it's like they're, meetings. they're just too many cooks in the kitchen on these things and it just budgets balloon like crazy and a lot of times these movies like are bad and look like shit like every marvel movie looks yeah, fucking terrible because yeah. they're like they have way too many writers and they're constantly like rewriting things toward the end and they don't have time to do the cgi right so it comes out and it looks terrible um you know but like you just don't like 
you don't have to have that many people involved. There's no one that no rule that says you have to do that. That's just how these studios have learned to operate. And, you know, they have these bloated budgets with too many executives involved that are like sending budgets through the roof, right? When everybody at Disney is involved in Indiana Jones, then like it's going to be a fucking expensive movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you could just have a good hire, a good writer to write the script, maybe bring in one or two people to punch it up and send it out there and have a director make it. And then you don't have to, you know, corporatize the whole thing and put all these brains together to make like the dumbest script they could come up with. Let a singular voice or two creative voices that have a vision come together and write something. And, mm. uh, that's our transition to Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sort of. Yeah. yeah right. Honestly. <laughs> um, before we transition to Barbie, uh, so I, me and John have not seen Oppenheimer and I will, I'll get into that. Uh, but Ryan, I don't want to ask too many questions because I do really want to see it myself. But um, can you tell me how much Kenneth Branagh fucks up this movie? Oh, not. Nah, nah, you're, yeah, <laughs> oh, nice. you're fine. <laughs> okay, good. Well, well that's I, good to know. Yeah, I have, I have my follow-up question. I want to guess a scene, Ryan, and you tell me if it's in this movie or not. And Dixon and I were talking about this. Oh, yeah. Um, do they have a scene where they're trying to think of the brand name for the atomic bombs they're going to drop on Hiroshima? And is it they're standing in line in a, in a lunchroom and Oppenheimer's like, I really wish that I knew what we could call these bombs. And somebody's like, Hey, stop that fat man. He's fucking cutting in line. And then he's like, wait a minute, fat man. <laughs> and then yeah. a little boy gets like, to go fight. I can fucking drop you on Hiroshima <laughs> yeah. and level a city block. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, then, no. <laughs> wait um, a minute. It's a good idea. Um, no, good. That, they actually don't even say the names. I think ah. because that's probably the military that named them. So I think it's kind of like anything they didn't have something to actually do with. They didn't. There is one serendipitous moment that I did bitch about afterwards <laughs> when Daryl and I were talking about the movie. That uh, other there are a couple interesting decisions with his relationships that I don't know that they necessarily added something. Uh, and that's where the where the nudity in this movie exists. It's not prolonged and not much. I've seen people saying like whatever about it and mentioning it in a lot of the reviews, and it's like it's nothing. I, it's just boobs. John's yeah. not people murdered with boobs. Um, <laughs> that's a whole. That's a whole other thing. Was it um, Jesse Morgan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of those Oppenheimer's are, those lovers. That no, was Kenneth Branagh. I gotta break it to you. But it was oh, only two no. minutes, so you're okay. No, no. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Um, <laughs> Branagh. During, <laughs> during that scene, uh, and that's with Florence Pugh, she pulls out a book and is like, oh, this is in Sanskrit. Can you read it? And he reads it. And the line he reads is the oh, quote that it's the everybody knows from Oppenheimer. Oh. Yeah, I am. I am death. become death. Yeah. And I, I was like, yeah, that no, like because I'm. It's also one of those things where I'm like, this is completely made up, right? Like, yeah, this didn't happen. There's nowhere that this is written down that it happened. If it did happen, neither of these people told anyone that this happened. Oppenheimer like, was in like a study studying something. <laughs> he right. read it there. Yeah, and he did. He read that, and that is a quote that he took and he repeated and, and recontextualized or whatever. But I'm like, but it wasn't like. When he was having sex with someone, like that was kind of like that. That's <laughs> the moment where I was like, okay. So there is death. one of those stupid moments in it. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, I wondered if it was for that, like people who have no clue, if they're like, well, we have to, you know, we have to say set the line, Bart, it up somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 
Gotcha. Yeah, Brano actually well, he almost gets poisoned. So that he got back. Oh, that would have been great. Oh, so they would have loved it. Damn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> On set like he, or in the movie? <laughs> yeah. <I wasn't> right. <laughs> He's making another um, goddamn Agatha Christie movie. How do we stop him? That mustache oh, I know, I know. is just too much. I can't handle it anymore. Yeah. No, he kind of is just like a little bit at the beginning and then comes back at the end. He really, okay. I don't think he has five minutes of screen time, maybe. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about it. There you go. Just close your eyes. There's a cast. There's a large cast that there's really, there's like a couple people you see a lot. Yeah. Like that actually important. And then there's a ton of people. That was one thing that I'm like, it doesn't spend any time explaining fucking anything to you about who any of these physicists are and how any of the bomb really works. Like that's not really important. So there is a lot of where I was sitting there being like, oh, that's that guy. That's that guy. And I was like, nobody. Most of that theater is like Niels Bohr. I don't know who that is. Like, right? Like, why is that important? <laughs> Come back when you're Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, yeah. I'm glad there's not a brand style scene like I just described. The <laughs> Apple naming your of Blackberry. the atomic bomb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he got really high and went out in the desert and he came up with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Smoking Man, peyote. Yeah. Oppenheimer. <laughs> I'm full of them today. Yeah. Uh, so as I said, John and I tried to see this movie this weekend, um, like three or four weeks before it came out, I texted John and I was like, Hey, there's a 70 millimeter IMAX screen in San Antonio. It's like an hour and a half away. Like let's get tickets and go see this thing the the way it was intended. And so bought tickets, got two really good seats, uh, for this past Saturday in a theater at the San Antonio AMC River Center 13. Oh, yeah. And, Rolls uh, off the tongue. Will not be returning there. Um, <laughs> there was news, like, in the few days leading up to us going that they were having technical issues at the theaters and that's or at just at that theater specifically. And a lot of the screenings were getting canceled. Some of them were being replaced with a digital IMAX screening. Others were not, they were just being canceled entirely. Friday night, there was one screening that actually did play successfully. So I was like, okay, well, like, we're good. let's see, like, hopefully they've gotten their shit figured out. Uh, we drove all the way down there, parked, walking up to the theater, pulled the ticket app out on my phone, and the tickets did not show up. I was like, oh, shit, what happened? Check my email. 10 minutes before the goddamn screening started, I got an email saying your tickets have been refunded and the screening has been canceled. So that was very upsetting. Um, we killed an hour at a barcade nearby and then saw Barbie instead. Yep. Uh, so that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, at a different theater? It is like... Uh, huh? Did you like go to a different theater to see No, Barbie? it was the same Just theater. The... Um, <laughs> you should have... <laughs> Yeah, I just paid for parking and we couldn't drive. Away. Yeah, it was oh, like thirty bucks to, to park, and <laughs> yeah. it was like, well, okay. Um, Did they like drop the eight thousand pounds that this is on seventy millimeter or something? Like, how- so I wanted to mention that. So, like, I've I've been reading that a lot of you know there are only thirty theaters in the world that have seventy millimeter IMAX projections. Nineteen in the U.S. There's two in the state of Texas, and you know, so it's like you'd think if these theaters actually bother to have this technology, they would understand how to use it and have people there who know how to work it i understand they don't often use it like i get that but you'd think they could bring in some experts for when they have these event screenings and and have somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing but i did read that it was um i think because it was a three-hour movie it was the film was longer than the like canisters that normally hold the imax film so they had to make some adjustments to 
the setup to make sure that they could actually fit the entire film there and then like apparently the film is so heavy they have to lift it with a forklift and it sounds like it's just a a very laborious process to actually thread this thing and and run it um which like hey i understand if you're not equipped to do it don't fucking show the movie in 70 millimeter imax it sounds like a pain in the ass if you can do it i salute you that's awesome if you can't don't don't fucking try that's absurd um so i bought a ticket in dallas i'm going up to dallas uh, later this week to see family and I bought a ticket up there. I found one seat that wasn't terrible on their, on the 170 millimeter IMAX there. And so I'm going to try to see it this Friday um, and we'll report back. But um, all that to say, we saw Barbie instead. So yeah. that's what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Also all that to say, bring intermissions back. God damn it. Let the reels be broken up so that True. they can actually be arranged it, properly. It honestly needed one. So yep. <laughs> there you go. I love intermissions. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. The like back hour of that movie. That's the part where I was kind of like, I think it should have been like the Cut. bomb test intermission um, and then the yeah. back hour. But I actually think if, if, if they'd gone a couple more weekends, people would start telling each other, like, just skip the last hour after the intermission. You've seen everything that you're interested <laughs> just in. Leave. The bomb dropped. Who cares? Oh my God. <laughs> Damn. Maybe they should have done the intermission right before the bomb test. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think go. the cliffhanger. Uh, you got to get people coming back. Um, yeah, so we saw Barbie. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned. Just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can I was optimistic about Barbie. I was kind of cautiously optimistic. So it's co-written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, who I I really like both of them as writers and directors. Directed by Gerwig. Uh, Gerwig directed Lady Bird and mm-hmm. the recent Little Women movie. Uh, Noah Baumbach has done uh, Squid and the Whale, The Meyerowitz Stories, uh, Francis Ha, a lot Marriage of story. really good Marriage Story, a lot of really good independent films. So um, was excited to see what they were going to do with this as a big corporate brand movie. It's like that's going to be interesting to see what they do because their films are typically very personal and and intimate and character driven. And, um, you know, it was interesting to see what they were going to do with this. I think overall, my my take was this was pretty good and entertaining. Wasn't great. It didn't feel like a Greta Gerwig or a Noah Baumbach movie. Um, but I feel like it was probably about as good as a Barbie movie could have been. Um, the opening sequence was hilarious. They do a 2001 riff on a, you know, like the parody thing that I thought was pretty fucking funny. I think that was the original Barbie teaser was that opening. Yeah. Um, so if you've seen that, you know what I'm talking about, but it was, I thought that was pretty fucking hilarious and, and really well done. Um, and throughout the movie, there were a lot of, you know, there were funny moments. There were some jokes that I thought didn't really work and some others that worked pretty well. Like some moments I was laughing pretty hard and others where I was like going long stretches of like, okay, yeah, this isn't that funny. Can we like move on and get something else? Um, like there's that moment from the trailer about like beaching people off. And I was like, yep. this isn't funny. And it goes on way too long. Um, and, and there's also a lot of in- it later. So they really like, yeah, it. They, they do. do. Yeah. 
um, there's a lot of inside jokes about like types of real Barbies that have been released, and I don't know anything about Barbies, so Ryan is is yeah. Giggling. That was the he's part that be... I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Ryan's going to get into yeah. all the Barbies that he's owned and all the all the different kinds. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was entertaining. Margot Robbie was good in it. Ryan Gosling was fine. Like he didn't really have that much to do. You know, he was fine in the Ken role. Um, Will Ferrell was all right, uh, you know, as the Mattel CEO. Thankfully, he wasn't in it too much and he wasn't yeah. too Will Ferrelly. There was a part toward the end where like the suits were entering the entering Barbie land. I was like, oh no, we're going to get a lot of Will Ferrell here, aren't we? But then they just kind of avoided him for a while and kind of it's like they forgot he was there. Um, but I thought it was, it, it was an interesting way to discuss Barbie. They talked about Barbie in ways that are very empowering to women and also in ways that are very detrimental to women you know um you know having barbie have all these different occupations and being this empowered woman who has like an eye candy man at, at her side but also setting unrealistic body expectations and and things like that making little girls insecure and uh you know wanting to grow up too fast and um you know never being able to achieve the the look that they want to um, so I thought it was interesting the way they kind of navigated that and, you know, talked about Barbie in, in different lights. Um, so overall, I liked it. I thought it was was enjoyable. Didn't love it. Um, I don't know that I'll watch it again, but I thought it was was pretty solid. But I know both of you have have seen it as well because I was sitting next to John. And, and I was uh, laughing way more than you were. Yeah. And I, I started to feel shame halfway through for some reason. <laughs> I was like, am I just now one of these other commoners? <laughs> what is this? No, I was, I was having a good time. No, there were moments like, that I laughed pretty okay. hard. But yeah, yeah. I think yeah. also we had some drinks beforehand and I was feeling pretty mm. good. So I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to, when they were doing the beach <laughs> off thing, I was like, <laughs> this is just dumb. Yeah. I was having my beaver and butthead moment <laughs> just uh yeah I, I enjoyed it um i i was telling dixon on the way out that like movies that mix the real world and camp uh sometimes they don't yeah. hit they're like really they fuck with my brain um because i'm trying to rationalize some things and this movie constantly is just bringing camp into reality and then being like don't fucking worry about it. And every time that it did that, I was like, oh, okay. But I would still build up like an anxiety of like, well, how does uh, Brian, I wonder if you did the same thing where I was trying to logic out certain things. And I was like, just, I need to just fucking stop. Like the movie was even yeah. just like, just don't. I was like, okay, fine. I won't think about it. Cause we, during Toy Story four, we had our whole fucking side riff too, where we were like, how mm. did the, when did the toys come alive? What the fuck is this about? Oh, dude, yeah. don't even, and this was the yeah, same thing with like Barbie land. There for that. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I wish you were there for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to yeah. send a letter to you guys with my thoughts. Oh, no, I would say like when <laughs> strongly they do worded the little, letter. <laughs> yeah. Strongly worded letter about the reality of toys. Um, <laughs> when they, when they, this, the board starts chasing Barbie through, through the, uh, hellscape downstairs of, of the Mattel cubicle rooms. Off cubicles. Um, that was definitely the moment where I was like, okay, like we're not giving a shit about yep. this. Like it's not, it's essentially being like, don't worry. We're not trying to be too heavy handed with the world here and how this works. Like this is all a little imaginary. Like, okay, just stick with us. Yeah. It's like the plane that took off from the airport. The wheels never actually were touching the ground the entire time. It was just hovering slowly on grounded. <laughs> and then it just fucking went into the air, like immediately when that, yeah. that segment goes through. Yeah. Like Will Ferrell screaming, like I, I knew if I climb over, it's the fastest way. <laughs> and <then he's> like, <laughs> yes, yeah, like three guys funny. like yeah. pushing him into a cubicle scene. 
Um, yeah. The fact that only men worked at Mattel was, was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of that. Like, just the commentary in it was so... It, the, this is a great contrast to what we were just talking about with, like, the carefully data analytics stories of Disney and, like, these boardroom mm. meetings and shit where they decide that your Marvel movie is going to have all of these characters and all of these beats. And here, this is, like, you know, uh, a movie that just gets to mock Mattel and at the same time make Mattel a shit ton of money, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. um, there's just so much about it that's like they talked about how Barbie's exploitative and like all this other they they reference like all the struggles to women that Barbie has caused and then they immediately just go right back into the story and it's this weird like jab and they get away with it because Mattel's like sure do whatever uh, we're, we just know we're going to make money so go ahead um, it's fucking wild yeah and it's like um we were talking about this on the drive the long drive back (laughs) but it's like they allow enough criticism of the company for people to feel okay about the company you know it's like if you um if the movie is criticizing barbie then it's like oh okay well you know they understand that there's like gross consumerism going on here so like they seem cool you know and it's like that might actually make the movie more money than if they didn't have that very mild brief criticism and then go back to the movie. Uh, Whereas if they completely ignored it, then you would probably see, you know, critics writing reviews that like, Oh, this is glorifying bullshit consumerism. This movie exists to sell toys. But like you don't see reviews like that because they have that mild criticism in the movie. And then it it like serves to justify its existence and to just kind of keep the capitalism train rolling. Yeah. It was like Deadpool. That was kind of what we were comparing it to. It's like when Deadpool came out, it was at the height of that saturation of superhero movies and everybody's like, cool, a movie that gets it. It's another fucking superhero movie. And it knows mm-hmm. that. And that made it like way more appealing for people to go and see. I mean, also because Deadpool is just in general a fun, that movie's fun. But like this, yeah, Barbie has that same thing where we're seeing all these fucking brand movies come out now. And then here comes Barbie and it's doing like a 2001 thing at the beginning and it's getting all this fucking weird beach off shit. And then uh, it's going into like a patriarchy commentary. And now we're into mm. like feminism. And it was like, oh, my God, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Yeah. Uh, it's it's fantastic and weird, I guess. But yeah, um, just totally different than the other stuff. Uh, all the interviews well, kind of said that same thing, too. Yeah. Just vague. And it was interesting mm. that it that it kind of undercuts it by like still letting Mattel go, I guess. Yeah. But at the same, yeah. but also having like really poignant things, like the in, in particular, like mm-hmm. the boardroom and, and Barbie comes in is like, well, where's the, you know, where are the women that run the company? And they're like, oh, you know, it's all the guys. They were two. And Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell was like, hey, we had a, a woman CEO, and like I think there the was 90s. a second one in there somewhere. Yeah. 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 And I was like, oh my god, I have been in those meetings, like those uh-huh. executive meetings. Yeah. I had conversations with executives. You know, I heard those things and I was like, that's really poignant and like yeah. the bullshit. It is, of, yeah. you know, it, and, but then it even took it to the more comedic extreme where he's like, I have Jewish friends. Like, yeah. Uh, it even took right. it like one even further. Um, and like Ken discovering the patriarchy in the real world is kind of a funny bit too. You know, he's like, oh my God, like I'm not just an afterthought here. Like I can do whatever I want and like rule the world. This is awesome. And, um, you know that like i i want to give gerwig and bombach credit for putting those ideas into the movie but i think mattel and warner brothers are 
taking those ideas and being like, yeah, we're just going to let them be here, but not be too, uh, too sharp. And then we're going to put the movie out and that's actually going to allow us to get more traction out of this because we're not going to get any criticism for people because that stuff is in there. Well, they're getting, oh, and they're selling and, toys that literally yeah. are the Barbies from right. this movie, yeah. including, yep. you know, weird Barbie say it to her face, weird Barbie. Um, and like Ken shirts, the Ken enough shirts and mugs and like, mm-hmm. they're totally gonna consumerize yeah that's what i'm saying yeah they're just taking advantage of all of this right and using that criticism to just further their own economic gains yeah um i mean i wanted to hang out with ken when he became a bro (laughs) (laughs) when he started wearing a mink coat when he said yeah when he had to like he wore a mean coat and he had brewskis all the time <laughs> that was hilarious. I would love to see Bro Ken on a shelf. Uh, what was his house called? Mojo Dojo Casa House? Yeah, that- the Mojo yeah. Dojo yeah. Casa House. <laughs> I, and they were talking about how it was like gangbusters in the real world. Everybody <laughs> wanted a Mojo Dojo Casa House. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I do think it's interesting, though, that like Will Ferrell's character wasn't exactly all about the money. That was one thing I was thinking about later because I'm like, they said that they were making money on the ken stuff and he's like no 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 no. like it, it we it can't be that though we need to fix it like he still was driven to like he no, has no, like no, a frank capra earnestness oddly enough to yeah him. sort of it's, it's good how much do you want to bet though that mattel is actually selling mojo dojo casa houses oh no doubt i, I have no yeah. idea if they are or not but i would be kind of surprised if they weren't you know at least a limited run yeah like, at least uh, to test the market mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw I saw there's obviously there's a 48 minute video of Ben Shapiro destroying Barbie. Oh, my um, God. For its oh woke God. politics. And I, I have. John, not why are you always bringing up Ben Shapiro? <laughs> uh, I got a confession. <laughs> you remember hate when watch I said, Ben Shapiro? You remember when I said the free market several podcasts ago? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It was a misdirection. I fucking hate Ben Shapiro, but I do hate watch the shit out of his videos sometimes. Yes, that is. Only when he talks about movies. Well, pull for the some ripcord. Reason. Yeah, when it's yeah. about his ranking of Batman, I want to know just how fascist he goes. <laughs> all the way, baby. All, all the yeah, way. All ben in. Shapiro hates Blue Beetle, everybody. You heard it here first. Oh, my God. Yeah, he probably. That's the only DC ish thing that looks decent, by the way. Like, uh, oh, right I think that disagree. trailer looks terrible. Um, <laughs> Um, but, but no, I have bad news for him that like Oppenheimer is also pretty woke. So I don't really know. Like, <laughs> these are the two biggest movies, like combined the biggest movie weekend in forever. And like people are showing up for woke shit. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Shock. I, it, yeah. I, they went woke and they didn't go broke. Somebody, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody's been, uh, uh, what is it? Um, putting one star or half star reviews of Barbie on like the cover of the Barbie poster as like quotes. And it makes it like way more enticing to see. Cause it's like, <laughs> this movie wants to turn you gay. <laughs> like that kind of shit. It's there's literally hilarious. no homosexuality in the movie. Absolutely none whatsoever. <laughs> they, That's they your own interpretation that, of what's going on. That says something yeah. more about you than it yeah. does about the movie. Absolutely. Uh, my, my dad was going to see it today. I have not heard from him what he thinks about it. Oh. But, uh, I guess I will soon enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I forgot to mention Ryan too. I saw a review of Oppenheimer that said the person was really outraged. They didn't show any Japanese people in a movie about a bomb that destroys Japanese people. And I was like, you're really shaking my faith in humanity here. Why the fuck are you putting yeah. this in a review? Uh, 
pretty pretty like, much Oppenheimer never met a, a Japanese person, so there's not one. Like the movie was really trying to stick to that. Murphy's Irish and not Jewish, so there is a certain amount of mm-hmm. like, you yeah. know, where are we going with this? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it kind of be like it wasn't about that. Like honestly, the movie doesn't really spend much time oh, talking about actually dropping the bombs. Well, I mean, it talks about like should well, we or whatever, but through through most of the movie, they think they're going to drop it on Germany. So anyway, oh, yeah. on, right? Well, like uh, that was the plan mm, while yeah. they were developing it. Barbie doesn't. Uh talk much about what the patriarchy is or what the the matriarchy might be um it just chugs right along to showing you i think that's that's obviously part of where ben shapiro comes in is like projecting on like that's not what patriarchy is let me tell you what patriarchy is it's it's honest it's american it's uh, let me mansplain patriarchy to you damn it it's exactly yeah (laughs) let me show you that and then let's watch the godfather and i'll tell you about it (laughs) (laughs) that bit was pretty funny yes Uh. uh uh barbie had such a weirdness to it that I, I can't stop thinking about it. I will go see it again. I know Dixon, you're yeah. less likely to, but I'm really yeah. tempted a, to go. There was a thought for me because early on I was, I was really enjoying the opening, not the 2001, the right after that, where it's like Barbie world. Yeah. Because then it sort of then plays to my like detail oriented hatred of things to just give in completely to the bullshit of like, they don't actually have water or milk or, or whatever. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, pretend. I was like enjoying all the details of all the stupidity. Yeah. Oh no, that stuff the... was good. Yeah, yeah, like that was Barbie really awesome. just floating from her house to her car because yeah. that's just what that's, girls do that's with what them. You do. The meta yeah. song uh, that Lizzo sings. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, Espe- yeah. Especially when that comes back and it's all like existential or whatever. There was a point pretty earlier on where I was like, I'm enjoying the stupidity of this. Like, I'm. Yeah. This is exactly the stupidity I'm into. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, in my like rating system of it, it's good if I would watch it again. Like. Yeah, I totally would watch this again. Like, I agree. This is one where I'm like, yeah, I'll probably watch it again. Like, I, it made me, I can't wait for the Barney movie. You know about the Barney movie, right? Yeah, I know about the Barney movie, but, oh, yeah. I, and so on, on the aside of that, when they first announced a Barbie movie, I was like, no interest. Yeah. Um, even when they announced who was on it, I was like, yeah, they've had people on these Walt Disney movies that have never mm-hmm. fucking had it. It never ends up being films. their thing anyway. Um, the first teaser, the 2001 thing, I was like, whatever um but when they actually put out the first trailer i was like oh hmm, okay like this kind of seems like it's going somewhere and at that point i was kind of like all right i guess i'll watch it because darla had initially been like well she and ella were gonna go and me and logan could stay home like whatever we'll go watch the barbie movie uh and yeah. then at the point when we saw the trailers i was like well, i'll go to the barbie movie and she's like really and then she was surprised to find i was excited for it and yes i did wear pink shorts and a, hey. a blue and pink yeah. uh <laughs> Hawaiian shirt to the premiere. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so I, I yes, I was too, relatively yeah. into it. Um, but I was like, yeah, no, I mean, it again, I'm like this, even though it is a brand, it's something, it's something different. Like it's actually trying to fucking do something. It is. It's not about the creation to of play Barbie, the formula. Yeah. And it's not about this formula of Barbie needs to make a friend in the real world, fish out of water stuff. They have that, but it becomes like deeper existentially. And then it becomes at some point, like really meditating on like what infrastructure and concepts are in the real world versus the idealism of Barbie. And I was like, fuck yeah. That's why when we walked out, uh, Dixon and I both had the exact same thought and you already said it, which is it's probably like the best Barbie movie there could be. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. There's not yeah. really a way around that. Um, but what yeah. about the sequel? You know, someone's oh, already at Warner yeah. Brothers wanting to know. 
Isn't it? It's they'll probably a- do a sequel, and Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach won't be involved. Yeah. And it'll be terrible, it. and uh, yeah. I won't want to see it. And uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. I feel like they've told all the story that can be told. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what else you do with Barbie af- after you know, this movie. I don't want to contradict you, but you said that about uh, Spider-Man colon across the uh, Spider-Verse. You're like, I just don't know what they could do with it. And then you saw it and you were like, you know, this is actually good. Maybe yeah. they could do Barbie across if the Barbie If they bring Gerwig back, it, it'll be good. But I, yeah, just, yeah. I, I would imagine this would be a sequel where they're like, you know, either Gerwig asks for more money than they want to pay her or she's like no i told my story i don't want I'm to done, do this yeah. anymore and then they bring in some hack to make the movie and it's it's shit yeah yeah so i don't know hopefully that doesn't happen hopefully there's just not a sequel that would be nice i would really hope well, they have so many other mattel products they can exploit very good point. Uh, uno yeah uno hell yeah <laughs> who knows what they could do with uno what could that be <laughs> God, they could, they a, could talk on our exploitation of other the movies in reverse. The game of Uno. <laughs> if I can uh, draw four more minutes, <laughs> I fucking know. God, there's just going to be every toy company is going to have their own movie studio now, aren't they? Well, I mean, Hasbro's Hasbro's trying. Hasbro's been trying to make GI Joe a thing for so long. <laughs> Honestly, you know what uh, I uh, I wouldn't mind for Mattel is if they did a Hot Wheels movie, but it was with Fast and the Furious. It was like the Lego movie, uh-huh. but all stop motion for Vin Diesel. That would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I would Dude, watch if you that. did it, yeah, if you did like the Lego movie and you actually, yeah, got like mm-hmm. all the everybody, like yeah, like Nick Cage and Vin oh, Diesel. God, and, Nick Cage like, gone in sixty yes. seconds. What would you yes. have for the people though? Because Hot Wheels, you don't really have people in the cars. Would the cars be the character? No, like we're, we're not doing a cars movie. We're not doing a cars movie. Would you no, just, I think have it's just like children a, a, a doing cartoon. voiceovers as they're moving the cars? Yeah. Around? It, would, it would be, yeah, it would be like some other Mattel toy. What do they have? Like, uh, they have some other Lego computer. I don't remember what the fuck it is. They have apparently oh, yeah, a, yeah. a line called Little People. I don't know. Oh, it's wow. Kind of oh, wow. <laughs> really? It seems really fucking weird. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh sure. Um oh they have Masters of the Universe. Clearly they could do they are actually doing another they Masters working, of the Universe. They've already been working on that too. Yeah. God damn it. Well, Mattel, just don't fuck it up, okay? You yeah. said the Barney yeah. thing with Daniel Kaluuya is gonna be some surrealist shit for adults and it, it sticks your guns. Yeah. I wanna see that. I kinda <laughs> doubt that's what it's gonna be, but I, I would appreciate if they actually tried that. Um yeah. cool. The last thing I wanted to say was like you know kind of in connection with what you were saying earlier ryan around uh kind of the failure of all these blockbusters we were talking about kind of the corporatization of of movie making and even like you know barbie is a good example of like they actually let like a small group of people make this movie with gerwig and Bombach really getting to put their vision on screen but it's still like a brand movie and it only exists because the brand is there right like not for the story and um I watched a Samuel Fuller movie this weekend um, called The Naked Kiss, which was really good. And Samuel Fuller is one of my favorite um, like uh, studio Hollywood directors from like the 40s through the 60s. And he would make really low budget movies, but just do them really well. And all his, you know, his movies would typically make money. And he could just make a movie on a small budget. It would take him like four weeks to shoot it and put it out and make money off of it. And he was fairly prolific through like 1963 and then he was basically not able to make movies anymore after that and i saw an interview with him and he talked about how like it used to be 
he could just go talk to a studio head and pitch it like he he was just a prolific script writer. He was just writing scripts all the time. Even after he stopped working, he was just writing scripts and writing scripts. And he would just go into a studio exec's office, be like, hey, I got this idea. What do you think? And the guy would be like, no, I don't like it. Okay, how about this one? You're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But what about this? And they would like workshop the idea in the studio office. And like he said he could get like the top executives at studios to like act out scenes with them as they were kind of workshopping ideas and like trying to figure out, okay, exactly. This is what we want the movie to be. Oh, that sounds so cool. And he's like, these guys weren't businessmen. They were movie makers. Like they liked right. movies. He's like, they wouldn't go work for GE for a higher salary. Right. And like now you have the heads of these studios. They're not filmmakers. They don't care about the product. They're just They're executives with MBAs or empty suits. And they would, you know, take another job in a different industry in a heartbeat if it was going to pay them more money. And, you know, like it, it just feels like we've gotten to a point with, you know, we're talking about kind of studios, con you know, conglomerating, being fewer and fewer of them and them just putting more and more money into big brand opportunities and feeling like they care less about the story. It's just that that comment from Fuller was really eye opening to me, like, God, like that's that feels like that sums up kind of where we are now and like why you have that guy who was an incredible filmmaker, like really influential on uh, Scorsese and like Godard, like a lot of really great filmmakers and all across the world that came up after Fuller that were very influenced by him. And, you know, he like furthered cinema a lot and he was able to do so because he like he worked within a very restrictive studio environment in the 40s through the 60s with the Hays Code and, and all that. But he was still able to make really interesting stories that he wanted to make, shoot them in a cool way, write scripts like nobody else was writing them. And, you know, it's just like there's just very few studios that are willing to put money into things like that anymore. And, you know, like you're saying, right, maybe with the success of M3 Gen and some other things like that, maybe you'll start to see studios like, you know, try to make smaller bets and on stories that are a bit weirder. But um even that falls into like a genre that's like a january horror movie there's always one that's, it's like a blumhouse you know? yeah yeah it's just a little better and so i don't know that the comment from fuller was really um uh, just just kind of felt very true for what you know we're seeing in the industry now it's like it's just sad that like there's so few people like that who can make movies anymore and like you've got nolan and you've got scorsese and like those are kind of the only two filmmakers anymore that can still like get like big amounts of money to make the movies they want to do. And because studios will only make big bets, you can't make mid-budget movies anymore, really. And so you don't have fifty million dollar budget movies. You don't have twenty million dollar yeah, no. budget movies. You've got a hundred plus, and then you got like three million that A twenty four neon pick up, and that's yeah. kind of yeah. It. it pretty much yeah. The space between a hundred and you know, honestly not even thirty, like twenty five maybe at tops. It was like twelve million yeah. from a three again. Like the gap is huge <laughs> in mm -hmm. between those. But also like talking about the cost of television, we kind of mentioned that earlier, and like per episode cost for some of those high quality television shows the whole thing ends up coming out more than a movie yeah. and you have to invest yep. in the all the hours of it up front like you're like all right maybe i need 10 or 13 hour-long episodes of almost movie quality production with a, this cast you know it, it that's mm -hmm. a huge investment too um and for, so we're not really necessarily getting lower budget shows either because it's they're trying to go to that no. because they want the big billboard attention thing too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of it, it is strange to me. Netflix for a while was just throwing fucking everything at the wall at all prices at all things, um, and that didn't do them well. <laughs> but that wasn't necessarily because of the things. I think it's the profit model that Netflix had that kind of was the screwy part. Like prices are gonna have to go yeah. uphill to actually make it work. But that's how software starts: is you go cheap, and then you and you don't make money, and you get investors, and then you make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just got to that point where it was like they needed people to either invest in them or they have to raise the price. Yeah, that's where I've seen. I've been seeing ads lately for uh, fucking companies that supposedly it's like, oh, you know, buy your share in this like production studio and like you get to get privy to the the artists and the voices that we give money to. And it's like, oh, yeah, let's do a communal A24. And I'm like, there's, there's something sketchy here. I don't trust it. So it just seems like that's too much of a solution to the problem is why yeah. don't we just get everybody who wants to see these movies to chip in and then we'll run away with that money and do something that they don't want or some <laughs> shit like that. Start our own universal studios, <laughs> some shit. But um, I, I think it's the strikes right now are a reflection of the executives disconnect from what yes. really makes movies yep. work. Mm-hmm. And it, it, to me, it's, if you were trying to constantly make a basketball team, but you were like uninterested in whether the players could play together or even necessarily were good. And then you were coming in and telling them the plays that you wanted to see, even if it didn't. And then it was like, that team would be a disaster. Right. And it would Mm -hmm. be like some of these movies that come out like fucking $300 million budget. And the plot holes are ridiculous. The dialogue is, it would be the New York. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, but you have to realize like at the end of the day, I'm like, if you want to consistently make money, there are talent that can do it. And then every once in a while you see talent who are coming up and a good example would be like, you know, they clone Tyrone. Someone could look at that and be like, Hey, what would happen if I gave him more money? Like Mm -hmm. what, what could he do? Like, let's, let's do that. Um, and someone probably will, but once you get big enough, someone's like, all right, give him all the money, but also no power. Yeah. Then, right. Yeah. Like they they forget why they hired them to do that thing. Um, and then you have like, like Marvel, where they hire interesting directors, but they don't let them do anything. And do, the producers do any basically make the yeah. movie. Yeah. But we talked about James Cameron before, and I'm like, fucking whatever. He wants to get in a sub and go down the Mariana Trench. All right, cool. When are you coming back and making another movie for us? You can do whatever the fuck you want, right? Like, because you know, you're <laughs> yeah. just cashing a check. If you let him just do whatever it is he want, whatever crazy technology, whatever, sir, you'll cash a check. And that's because it's James Cameron. Yeah. You can right? Like, that's what you're buying. Yeah. That's still like old Hollywood shit is just sticking to a name and being like, this name means quality. Like, fucking M. Night Shyamalan is a great example. We're, we're really off the rails here, but M. Night Shyamalan... Yeah. <laughs> Just any movie that M. Night Shyamalan directs, it, or even tangential movies that he produces, it's like, from the creative minds of M. Night Shyamalan, or like, whatever the fuck. Mm. And I just know it's bad. I know whatever the fuck it is, it's probably bad. M. Night Shyamalan hasn't had a good movie, in my opinion, since The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. Those are like his I two movies. I you're just going to stop. He hasn't had a good movie. <sighs> he hasn't <laughs> had a good movie. And even those are on the line. And then I, you know, I watched Signs recently, and I was like, this movie's fucking garbage. This movie is the war of the worlds for like mm. the fucking bubblegum pop bullshit audience. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just like, that's the example, but they still get away with being like, it's an M.I. Shyamalan movie. He has renown. We'll just milk his name for all it's worth. Christopher Nolan got away with Tenet. 
Now he's back yeah, for God. fucking Oppenheimer. <laughs> it's just like, I guess some people you wrote, Zack Snyder, shit, Zack Snyder fucking ran DC into the ground for so long. And it was just like, they're still really. He just kept doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, a Zack Snyder movie because he made 300 and fucking Watchmen. Um, I was just like, all right. And uh, 28 days later, he's made movies about people with abs that fight. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, he can do this. Put <laughs> him <laughs> on it. But he's like, I mean, critic <laughs> Gerwig, like Ladybug, Ladybird, 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 <laughs> Lady, uh, not Lady Ladybugs. Have you seen Ladybugs? Holy shit! Yeah, Ladybugs. <laughs> well, that's say, Ladybug is the movie today. in a Bug's um, Life that they watch in the theater. <laughs> uh, Ladybugs but, is a Rodney Danger film movie about a youth soccer team where he like has a ringer. Oh, like, like the boy who bears? he dresses as a girl to yeah, be a, on the ladybug soccer team to get them to win. So it they is can win, fucking yeah. wild. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> I want to watch this now. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, but Ladybird's budget can't have been much more than Mithrigan. Yeah. Oh, I bet it was less than oh, that. Yeah. It was an A24 movie. I bet it was $5 million or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and so, but then you take her, and now Barbie's going to make them a shit ton of money mm-hmm. right and so it's that where it's like okay you can kind of take that vision and it, i will say you you mentioned like barbie as a property but it 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 isn't the the as tired we are of all these other things there is sort of right. the bullshit of everything that's a property has to become a thing but i i do think like taking a book taking a product i guess that's what we're doing now yeah and and making something of it can be fresh and it can be something that we're not seeing i think the problem is when we get like 30 more of whatever it is because one yeah. fucking mate what the fuck why are they making an exorcist movie we um, already destroyed the quality of that franchise franchise it sucked after the first one mm-hmm. but it's yep. like why does anyone give a shit now because right it's, like it's, it's a recognizable name that's the, that's the property I want to dredge up. Like, why are there fucking there some... Jurassic Worlds? Why are there any of these yeah. other? And it's just. Yeah. It is crazy to me that they will resurrect old uh, franchises like that. And it's like, who like who's asking uh, for who's that? going yeah. to see that? You know, it's like people who loved The Exorcist in the 70s. Like, how are you getting Gen Z to go see that? I don't know. Like, I, I you know there is an audience of older people who go see movies. But it just seems weird to me that, like, of all the IP you could pull, just, like, something from 50 well, years ago that was successful, like, just write something new. Just I, But they've had Exorcist movies that Gen Zers have gone to. They just weren't the Exorcist. Right. Yeah, they yeah. were just uh-huh. fucking Exorcist of whatever person, you know? That, yeah. I, I, it was just, yeah, completely lost in, like, yep. what, why? Uh, but like, you know, Mithrigan to me, I'm like, it's not the conjuring. Like, we're not just keep going and making, there's another fucking Saw movie coming out this year, right? Dear God. That's now worthless, right? That's where yeah. I'm like, is there not just something else? Even if it's, yeah, even if it's Barbie, even if it's the Uno card game, at least it's something that hasn't <laughs> yeah. been done. Yeah. Well, the Emoji movie was something that hadn't been done. Yeah. Um. You know, <laughs> not I mean, I works. wish it was something that could be undone. <laughs> Not not every not every one of them works. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, all it? I will say is yes. I recommend Barbie. Um, fuck the studios. Uh, <laughs> solidarity with the writers and the actors, and I hope they get everything they're asking for. I one hundred percent agree. And also a very special 
fuck you to the AMC River Center. Yes. Fuck you. Absolutely. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Thank you for Oppenheimer and 70 millimeter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the words of Ron, in the, the world's, the words of Ron Perlman, it's a lot of way to lose your house, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 to whoever owns the AMC River Center. <laughs> oh my God. Oh yeah. Uh, Ryan, you'd recommend Barbie as well, right? I mean, let's yeah. just go around the, the yeah, room totally. We all saw I, I it, really, yeah. I really fucking enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Darla, I went with Darla and Ella, so I took a ten-year-old to uh, the Barbie oh, movie. They talk about genitals. I talked about well, a vagina. You know, <laughs> I've talked about genitals with her because I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> you tell her that you have all the of. genitals. <laughs> Do- <laughs> like a Kindle. yeah i will yeah i will say there were a couple off-color jokes that probably were a bit much i will say they probably kind of flew over her head and i will be like the you know honestly i'm like kids know barbie doesn't have genitals and the kid doesn't have genitals Mm -hmm. and they either have the genitals that that one doesn't (laughs) that they're playing with anyway so it's like not (laughs) weird to know what it is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so i and i will say in that note like i do actually think the 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 end of the movie is barbie going in and then it being that she's like going to the gynecologist and like that's uh, the end thing and yeah. i was like that's i say ballsy <laughs> yeah. that is is a pretty bold thing and i was like especially to be like there isn't a, a, a barbie having to deal with a real the situation of actually being a woman she never had to mm-hmm. had to yeah. deal with that i was like that's actually a really interesting thing and i'm like you know yeah my 10 year old i'm not afraid to tell her that he's gonna have to go to a gynecologist at that conversation yeah um so yeah i think it was like fine for her she enjoyed it she came brushing home and told logan all about the plot of all of it and that he should have gone it was fucking funny yeah he should have um darla really liked it she said the for her she was like the perfect part is America Ferreira's like speech about being yeah. a woman and the dual- duality of it and the double she was standards? Very good in it. Yeah, yeah, she was very good in it. She was like, "That nails it." She's like, "That's it. That's what women are going through today." Like, that's it perfectly. Um, so I'm like, it gets a thumbs up from a woman. We the three of men of here can talk about it, but it did. I do know a woman. I'm friends with some women. Yeah. They said that they liked it. <laughs> Fr- yeah. Friends, being friends, your yeah. wife and daughter. <laughs> <laughs> that's like what will ferrell's like i'm a, I'm mother, a, son, I'm a, I'm a son, son of a mother, of a mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm the mother of a I'm son a nephew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right so, so oppenheimer is a thumbs up as well yeah yes yeah and i would obviously recommend barbie as well um so i mean i don't have anything to add to ryan's uh and, and yours dixon uh, endorsement to this film it was a good time yeah it was um, glad to see the movies being back, you know, uh, $300 million box office weekend. Um, glad to see it. Hopefully that continues and we have good movies to, uh, you know, support those numbers uh, th- through the rest of the year. But we'll see. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of studio direct to come. Feel so. free to uh, send us your theories on what the next Barbenheimer combination will be. Oh, um, yes. I've already given you the hint that Garfield's next year, folks. <laughs> 
Take it and run with it. <laughs> Make it awful. Or I could great. see studios doing this around. Like, what's the big? There'll be like a couple big Christmas releases that come out. That oh, a big Christmas release. You mean like that migration film by Illumination? Oh God, that was <laughs> one of the worst looking trailers I've oh, ever seen. Oh my God, seen. that look. I've never wanted horrible. to not see a movie so bad. <laughs> it comes out Christmas Day. It's 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 a kids movie that's not Christmas themed, and it looks like shit. Like it's about migratory birds. What the fuck? Like. Uh, <laughs> That, made that by had the earplug like, people we have to stick it somewhere <laughs> they're like yeah they're like we can't put it in all the normal slot yeah. like we'll get killed by elemental look how boring that looked yeah <laughs> they should that, they should hold that for like february like yeah. just release it then when yeah but anyways yeah okay so that's probably the next time it'll happen is some sort of you know december head-to-head releases but anyway i gonna wrap this up we had a refute that is a refute for deadly weapons deadly weapons that was a a a recommendation for starfighter though i didn't get to talk about it unfortunately (laughs) i had uh, a calling a civic duty to do it was called service (laughs) and then we had a recommend from ryan for oppenheimer and a recommend from myself in the table as a whole for barbie so um John and I, I'm, I'm sure we'll both be seeing Oppenheimer fairly soon and excited to excited to see it and uh, disappointed I didn't get to have the Barbenheimer weekend experience, but I'm committed to seeing this movie in 70 millimeter IMAX and if it's the last thing I do, I will do that. <laughs> uh, I don't share that same commitment when you texted me that you were going to Dallas. I was like, I'm not fucking going to Dallas. I just oh. assumed you were going to take me. I No, I was not expecting you to. There was okay, literally great. only one open seat that wasn't absolute dog shit, like wasn't like in a corner of the first row. And so I was like, well, I'm going to be here and I'm going to go by All myself. Right. So good luck and Godspeed. I hope everything. Thank you. Works out. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'm not optimistic, but, uh, you know, Oppenheimeristic. sorry (laughs) anyway uh thank you for joining us this week on afterthoughts recommend or refute with me as always brian king i have become podcaster i don't (laughs) (laughs) i have become podcaster destroyer of worlds uh and john garcia i'm thinking about changing my job to beach because i have all the dreams so you know maybe it'll work out you should do that i hear you can make a lot of money just being at the beach beaching people off Uh uh-huh yeah dude chris pratt's garfield hey there movie buffs tv toughs and all listeners in between John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.